I'm Gabriela Fresquez, and this is Radar 2022. Women's History Month has only been around for about um, as long as I've been alive. I know what you must be thinking, but Gabby, you're so young. How is that possible? And you would be right. But it's a good thing the month exists, given that our social studies books have a nasty little habit of leaving out the achievements of those of us without a Y chromosome. So to balance out centuries of inequality, every March, women get about four weeks to celebrate as many shattered glass ceilings, burnt bras, and leanings in as our social media feeds can handle. We'd have probably benefited more from the passage of the Equal Rights Amendment, but hey, at least this way, women get a whole month off. Nope. Wait, we don't get a month off? Nope. A day? Nope. No? Nothing. Okay, well that's bullshit. And a lot has happened since March became the month for mujeres. Some good, some bad, but in any case, progress is inevitable. And we have many women to thank for the systemic changes and shifting social attitudes that have paved the way for current and future generations. And when it comes to making a meaningful mark in the workforce, it seems that some women are making up for lost time. Online selling. Let's face it, everyone has a phone, everyone shops from their phone. So being able to monetize that has been really good for people. The world is your oyster. And it's up to you to enjoy it and grab your pearl because there are so many creative ways to increase your channels of revenue. Taking calculated risks, knowing that I have to spend money to make money. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but that's the game of life and that's the game of being in this business. Be organized, be intentional, and you're gonna see the fruit of your labor because you're gonna be able to know where you're planting your seeds. Growing the brand and really looking at things in a very holistic way in terms of like what we stand for has helped us grow financially. It would definitely be based on my new collection, which is to make it happen. Doing everything you can and making sure that you actually go out there and reach your goal. The really cliche things that they tell you, like work hard, never give up. Honestly, all of that is real. So don't give up. Be patient and be persistent. The increased opportunities for women in the workplace have contributed to the long-term welfare and prosperity of the U.S. economy as a whole. Especially as we're confronted with an aging boomer population and a labor shortage. And given that women have only had a significant presence in the workforce for about the past 50 years, it's made many of us laser-focused on becoming the mujeres imparables we were destined to become. I'm Nelly Galan, and I am the New York Times best-selling author of Self-Made, Becoming Empowered, Self-Reliant, and Rich in Every Way. I started out as a very young station manager of Channel 47 in New York, which is the New York Telemundo station. I worked my way up, uh, and then I started a business years later launching American channels in Latin America, like HBO, ESPN, Fox, and then Sony bought Telemundo and they asked me to come back. And I was the first Latina president of a te television network. Telemundo took a sabbatical, went back to school. I had never finished college. And in school, I wrote my doctoral dissertation about the psychology 
of Latinas, of African Americans, of all women of color, and how it was changing because we were beginning to make our own money and we were becoming the fastest growing entrepreneurs. I started a nonprofit called the Adelante Movement because I knew that Latinas, we needed more help. Uh, I think that I felt like, uh, you know, so many of us didn't have role models. And so I wanted to create something where I would interview all the women that women should know about, that women should learn from, all of our mentors, all of our older women. So I've interviewed like 300 women uh, and, and it's, you know, the, the, the people like Dolores Huerta. The reason I named the nonprofit Adelante is because we have to keep going. Life is about the people that don't give up. Bad things happen to all of us. Those of you that are immigrants or the kids of immigrants know that we're experiencing the pandemic and now a war. Stay the course. Don't give up. If you're scared, do it anyway. And if you fail, which you have to fail more than you succeed in order to do anything. If you fail, cry it out, mourn it, and get back on the horse and do it again. I started off in the healthcare industry, which grew my passion to try and find an ulterior uh, instead of opioids. I was hearing a lot about people overdosing and decided to do my own research and, and I found marijuana. So I asked my team of lawyers to find me the best state where marijuana was going to be legal and that was Nevada. I was the youngest minority Latina to acquire such licenses. I love to see when people were surprised if I do walk in the room and they realize that I'm the CEO and not my 80-year-old lawyer's assistant, uh, which is typically what everyone believes. It's nice, it's humbling, um, makes me want to continue doing a good job to motivate other women, other minorities who are looking to get into the space. Nevada has, we just recently launched our entire square footage. So we're operating now at 25,000 square feet. We just launched our edible line. They are derived of chamoy with uh, tahine. So, you know, we wanted to stick to our roots. We're excited to announce that we uh, broke ground in California. So we will be in the city of LA. We'll have home delivery. We'll have a transportation license, cultivation and manufacturing. So we're gonna be in my home state. Reina has been very well received in Las Vegas. We were one of the ones to start late, but we grew rapidly successful instantly. Um, we have some of the best strains, good growers. Everyone loves our story. They love that I'm a woman and um, that I'm representing the industry with amazing product. If you're passionate about something and you really genuinely believe in it, you should pursue it and do whatever it takes to achieve your goal. Really, when we talk about diversity, we're talking specifically about all of the different types of people that make that up race and ethnicity, of course, gender as well, but also different ways of people learning, different ways of people expressing. Disability is also a component of that, and of course, gender expression. Um, when we talk about inclusion, we're really talking about ensuring that all of those different types of people are able to fully participate in the workplace uh, in a way that is 
positive, we need to make better investments in diversity, equity, and inclusion programs that are specifically, right, by specifically targeting the same um, systemic issues that are keeping Latina women from uh, achieving that pay equity. That is greater opportunities for management and stretch goal assignments, greater opportunities for sponsorship and mentorship that are systemically built into the organization and greater investment in their leadership development and potential. You know, I always remember I grew up in Puerto Rico, even though my family's from the Dominican Republic. And I always remember that there was the saying in Puerto Rico that goes, lo que es igual no es ventaja, right? So if we can like just get to that place of what, of achieving equity, right? And, and we can sort of limit the um, advantages, the privileges that other folks have, then we can really get to a place where we can enjoy, you know, the fruits of um, a more equitable society where everyone is able to um, fulfill their true potential. And I see that as a possibility um, and if not in my lifetime, I'm definitely leaving it for my daughter. Despite the economic impact and financial gains of women over the past several decades, we still make only 82 cents for every dollar a man makes, a clear indicator of how far we have to go. Thankfully, there are women who refuse to accept things as they are. Specifically, these Latinas are working toward improving the lives of people within their respective communities by using their intelligence, education, and most importantly, their voices to increase visibility and expand rights and protections to fellow Latinxes. The biggest reason for the relaunch at, you know, at the core was that the Latin community right now is very different from what it was in 1996 when the magazine was first founded. Back in 2016, 2017, when it kind of took a step back and, and stopped publishing, a lot happened between then and between last year in terms of demographics, in terms of elections, in terms of what was happening with Latinos in the U.S. We're moving to be a place and have kind of aligned our, our voice to be a place that's really trying to focus on up-and-coming voices and especially on underrepresented groups in the Latin community and, and kind of putting out voices and faces that maybe even Latina didn't typically share in the past. We have moved to publishing most of our content in English because we found that a lot of people in these incoming generations of Latinos, some of them don't speak Spanish. What is the U.S. Latino identity? So I think that's one of the things that being 25 years old comes in handy is having kind of the finger on that pulse in terms of what my generation is feeling. I'm right between the millennial and Gen Z line. So I feel like in some ways I'm kind of hearing both trying to understand it all at once. I grew up the daughter of immigrants. And I think anyone who's kind of an immigrant kid or, or, or first generation can understand this is that you just have to become really independent from a really young age. I lost my mom to breast cancer when I was 16 years old. So it was definitely a super developmental phase of my life. And I just had to grow up at 16, you know, I kind of went from being 16 to 30 in some ways. Those lessons have really gone into play right now in my position. I am really young. I often have to have important conversations with people that might have 20 more years of experience than I do. But I think I just grew up to be a tough kid because of some of the loss that I experienced. And I think that that's really, really, in the end, helped me out. I'm Monica Ramirez, and I am the president and founder of Justice for Migrant Women, 
I'm also the co-founder of Alianza Nacional de Campesinas, of an organization called Poderistas, and of a third organization called uh, the Latinx House. I've taken on hard issues like the pay gap and sexual harassment and other things. I've seen the, the human impact that these issues have on people in their lives. You know, I've seen up close the ways that other people are benefiting off of the backs of our community. And quite frankly, it makes me really angry. And I think when you see the things that I've seen up close, you know, you don't even have a choice about whether or not to take action. You're compelled to take action. And so, you know, I have to say that I've been very fortunate to be supported by some of the best organizers in this country. I've been inspired by some of the most incredible women who I've represented, you know, as a lawyer. And um, it takes a combination, I think, of, of getting really mad and also having something very clear to focus on that we are dedicated to changing. I don't think you can just get mad. You have to get mad and then have something to focus on to change. And I've been very fortunate that in my career that I've always been able to kind of take those feelings of upset and anger and redirect those feelings to something that I believe is positive change. We've lost ground during this pandemic, but there's hope. And the hope is us. The hope is that we are pushing to fight to get better laws, more protections, more benefits. We're pushing to make sure that women are going to be brought back into the workforce because Latinas were among the largest number of women workers that were actually pushed out of the labor market during the pandemic. We are fighting to make sure that we can get women back to work and that hopefully the new laws that we're pushing for will be stronger and more protective than we've ever had. Change will happen over time, and along the way, we will bring people along with us. I started working in the industry when I was 19 years old in New York um, with an artist named Usher. And through the years, I was able to navigate personal life, having children and moving to a new city like Miami, where I, this is where I really came into my own and built my career. I think that's been the secret of my happiness and my success is that I've only chosen to do things I truly enjoy to do, whether it's event production, writing, and now directing communications for a big hospitality company. This, this is all work I enjoy. I think the most important thing we could do as human beings is be of service. And I don't feel like a complete human being just by doing one side of it. I have to give back. No More Tears came to me by a friend of mine who works with them. When I heard their mission, I was blown away and I said yeah let's do it. I joined the board because it's a subject that hits close to home for me and I'm very passionate about it. No More Tears is founded by a woman named Somia Lee. She herself has suffered abuse, rape, molestation. She started this organization to help young girls like her and she single-handedly saves, rescues uh, victims, gets them housing, medical care, psychological care, anything they need. I was really moved by her story and how honest she was in a group of strangers in a room. It's really hard to talk about these things. I also sit on the board, uh, executive board of Global Empowerment Mission with Michael Caponi. Right now they're in the Ukraine in the border in Poland, giving out supplies and, and flying uh, the uh, refugees that are coming in from the Ukraine into Poland to their families. They're first responders to crisis that happen all over the world. When was your last mission? Hurricane Maria. I was in Puerto Rico every weekend bringing in uh, supplies in private planes. We would take private G5 planes that we could get private donors to pay for and we'd fill it to, we would sit on the floor with generators and supplies all around us. 
It was really important for me because I'm from there. It was so fulfilling. I took my kids on the missions with me. My son would go house to house to deliver groceries and water and um, light because we would bring solar light. It was very powerful. When your kids are committed to the mission. <laughs> I'm, I'm raising some compassionate, amazing humans. They're going to change the world. I'm certain of it. Like you? One day at a time. <laughs> Change is difficult in any long-standing industry, but for women of color in particular, real progress seems to happen um, despacito. Being the first and paving the way for others is challenging and scary and sometimes pretty thankless. But these Latina trailblazers found a way to transcend that inevitable fear of failure, rejection, things we can all relate to, to help their communities transition toward inclusivity, visibility, and create opportunities. In other words, being the first, but not the last. My name is Maria Fernanda Terochimesuk, and I'm the founder of IO Scholarships. Since the beginning, I knew that I wanted to help others get scholarships because I was fortunate enough to win scholarship to pay off my whole education without actually obtaining any student loan. So I want other students to be able to go to college debt-free. Only 8% of Latinos uh, pursue these careers that they're the careers of the future. These students are pursuing the careers that they're the best paid in the market. So we have to increase representation of Latinos and Black and African-American students and other diverse students in, in, in the field of technology, science, engineering, and math in Silicon Valley, the Hispanic population is really high. However, only 3% of Latinos work at Silicon Valley. So we are trying to, to change this dynamic. My goal is to level the playing field so all diverse students can access these careers. And there is a misperception, in, especially in the Latino community, that these careers are very hard to pursue. In terms of Latinas, we have to increase the representation because as I mentioned before, they only represent 3% of the STEM workforce. My interest in STEM came when I won the program of the Stanford Latino Entrepreneurship Initiative. When I was part of that program, I was able to actually network with other Latinos that they were in the field of STEM. It comes from my own experience that I have the passion to help other students to go to college debt-free because that's my own personal experience and I know how hard it is for students to find scholarship resource, resources that they're aimed to diverse students. So I saw the need of really guiding and, and helping these students go to college debt-free. So Carmen Carrera, thank you for coming back to talk to us on Radar. It's nice to have you. It's my pleasure. You just led a campaign for Honey Burdette. Yes. What was that like and what did it mean to you to be able to lead a campaign like that? It's this huge lingerie company in Australia focuses on uh, female empowerment, on, you know, just being yourself, being bold, um, and just having power over your own sexuality. So the creative department is like really putting, you know, the focus back on the female gaze versus the male gaze. With Honey Burdette, you know, I got really, I got really lucky to sort of be in the, in the beginnings of their, you know, journey here in the state. Where do you see yourself evolving towards in the next like five to 10 years? 
I just want to continue to blaze a trail of new opportunity, whether that means, you know, working creative one day, you know, and then being in the office the next day and then focusing on a runway show or a campaign. I think that would be that'd be awesome. Taking the focus less on our sexuality or, you know, the journey that it takes to transition and focusing more on our talents, our, you know, creative side, you know, our business abilities, things like that. Um, I think are important. The bill that just passed here in Florida, the Parental Rights and Education Act, also known as the Don't Say Gay Bill. Um, how do laws like these impact or potentially impact uh, future generations of LGBTQ plus youth? I hope that more LGBT uh, kids' parents step up and, and speak out against these bills that you know, oppress their child. I, I don't know, I, that really hits close to home for me. Cause me, you know, I grew up hiding who I was. I had to wait till I was 18 or 20 years old to be who I am and uh, freely express that. Don't say gay, it's like, okay, so a kindergarten parent, you know, who is gay. And, you know, let's say there's a child that has two dads or a child that has two moms and they're in first grade or they're in kindergarten so they can't say that they love their parents they can't talk about the fact that they have gay parents it's forcing people back in the closet the best advice that i can give any parent who has a trans child is you know be your child's best friend and ally in this world because you know us as adults we hold the power um, to give access uh, for our kids to express who they are, whether that's through therapy or through uh, medical transition. This is something that's real. It's not something, we've always been around, we're not going anywhere. In every generation, there are women whose voices capture a cultural moment, fearlessly expressing uncomfortable truths, challenging beliefs, and refusing to cave to the whims of society's expectations of how a woman should look, sound, or act. But if you can't change the world doing any of those things, there's always stand-up comedy. Because when speaking the truth is the objective and you make us laugh, something magical happens. We listen. Hi, I'm Aida Rodriguez, a stand-up comedian, actor, writer, producer, and um, empath. As a comedian, as a performer, as an entertainer, as an actor, as a writer, I'm supposed to be disruptive. A lot of us don't say things that are problematic for sport. We're just working through our own trauma and pain by way of comedy, no different than a Picasso who did a painting or somebody would sing a song about something like that. And we just held to a higher standard. You got to know that I am not clergy. You got to know that I'm not a scientist. You got to know that I am not a political figure. I'm a stand-up comedian and not to demean it because I think that stand-up comedians are healers. They're, they are always at the forefront of thinking. They're critical thinkers, independent thinkers. They, they are challenging what's happening. At the same time, we got to properly you know, put it in its pers in, into perspective that you, you shouldn't be holding me to a higher standard who's I am an entertainer than you are the president of the United States. I knew the world was changing when I saw a white woman get her ass beat by the cops. I did, I was like, that's the America Martin Luther King was talking about. Because I do attack world cult culture, I have to be really careful because in, in pointing out that liberal people can be performative or fake or whatever, I have to be careful that I don't embolden the racist person in the audience that tries to justify their racism 
uh, with anti-wokeism. You know, like it's a really fine line. You know, when white liberals come for me, who I think are also can also be racist and don't know that they're racist, I don't care. But when my people come for me and attack me and assault me and 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 turn on me, it's really painful. In comedy, you know, there hasn't been a lot of voices in 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 stand up um, who are women that really have been given the opportunity to really ascend. I gotta be what I wanna see, you know? I, I don't have the option to look up and see a George Carlin that represents my group and my experience. So I have to become that. In addition to honoring women's history, we also celebrated International Women's Day earlier this month. But given the state of global unrest, what's supposed to be a time of celebration for women is actually one of uncertainty and devastation for many. Still, women around the world continue to fight for equality, justice, and basic human rights every day. The accomplishments of women can't be summed up in a hashtag or a month or even an episode because the struggle is ongoing. So take a minute today to appreciate the women in your life or maybe just appreciate yourself. Because the truth is, being a Hefa is great and all, but 10,000 years of patriarchal rule has been exhausting. And at the very least, it's earned us a nap. I'm Gabriela Fresquez for Radar 2022. Thanks for watching Radar 2022. Please like, subscribe, and comment down below and let us know what issues are important to you. Because let's be honest, we've all got issues. Some of us more than others.